Hello everyone, Pastor Wayne here from Summit Church of Castle Rock. So glad you're joining me for the feed today across multiple platforms. We're on Twitch, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter Periscope, uh, we're on a few other uh, forms and we're gonna, on YouTube as well. So leave your comments and we would love to connect with you online. This is your five minute countdown. Make sure and share this link with a friend. Tell them that church is about to get started and we are super excited to be worshiping together today and studying God's Word, you can turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to be studying a few more chapters than normal today because we're trying to finish the Gospel of Matthew. So we're doing Matthew 21 through 28, kind of an overview of the end of the Gospel of Matthew. So I hope you can join us today for the Word and Worship. God bless you. We'll get started in five minutes. So grab a Bible, grab a friend, grab a notebook, grab a pen, and we'll see you in five minutes. Five minutes, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to church. We got about five minutes before the service starts, so here are some church appropriate dance moves you can do whenever the spirit moves you. So get on up and let's sweat to some scriptures. Or maybe not. Or just, just cool. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Make sure it's on the face. See it on the face. Yeah. Bring it together. Here we go. Let it go. You take the stone. You let it go. You're unhindered by armor. Let that elbow sway. Elbow, 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 elbow. One of my personal favorites. Resurrection. You gotta get down to get back up. Yeah. Keep working, guys. Keep working. You're doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing a little tired. Crush the Crush the Get crushed. Crush the We gotta stop her. Stop her. Stop her. You're crushing it, crushing it, crushing it. Okay. Good break there. Good break. Good job, guys. Here we go. Ready? Get that, get that whip going. Scare those tax collectors. Those merchants. Yeah. Yeah, those merchants.
Good morning, Summit Church. Glad you're joining me on the feed here today. It is so uh, great to have many of you online. I think I've got my, all my comments working across multiple streams. Good to see many of you joining me live here online today. I did something kind of unusual and different. I led uh, worship under a, uh, a dome, under a COVID restaurant dome this week. I pre-recorded some of the worship so I could put some lyrics on the screen. So without any further ado, we're going to enter into a time of worship, and then we're going to go into our study of Matthew chapter 21 through 28. So grab your Bible, grab your notebook and pen, grab a friend, share this link with somebody, and join us here for worship under a bubble, or worship in a bubble. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to Summit Church of Castle Rock, worship in a bubble. I thought I'd try something totally different today, and um, we got some fun worship and praise planned and a Bible study, it's going to be a great time. I will sing, I will sing a brand new song all day long. Hands and raise your voice, yes, raise your voice. 
Shining light. It's a sunshiny day here, worshiping in the bubble.
music praise music is putting you in a good mood I know it's putting me in a good mood and having this vitamin D the free sunshine trying out my new camera rig new uh, new stuff going on today so glad you're joining me today let's open with prayer father we love you we give you this service everything that we say and do every song we sing every note that we play I pray that you would be glorified in everything we say and do in the feed today and may we enter in. Help us to enter into your very presence and to know and to sense and to feel that you love us and you're for us. And even though we're in the middle of a global pandemic, even though it seems like the times that we're living in are very scary, God, we thank you that you're bigger than every problem. You're bigger than all the scary things that are happening. We thank you, God, that your hand is upon us and you're giving us your favor and your help today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, let's keep worshiping here today. I want to sing Light of the World. I, I gave a, a theme to the song about light today. So let's sing about the love, the light. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me. This heart adores you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together. King of all days, so highly exalted. Yeah, King of all days, oh, so highly exalted. Glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake you came for. to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me, King of all days, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Only you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake you came for. 
normal for you, God. What is normal in heaven? It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's healing. It's God wiping away every tear from our eye. It's the supernatural. It's the wonderful. It's the gracious. It's the kind. It's redemption. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, love, self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to read the, the passage for today. The reading I want to pull is one of the Psalms. The Psalm says this, it's Psalm 25. And you know, it's, so, it's short enough. Man, it's, this bubble gets warm. <laughs> it's warm in here. It's Psalm 25, verses 16 and 17. The first two verses are the highlighted verses, but I'm going to read the whole Psalm. Here's what it says. Turn to me and have mercy. I am alone and in deep distress. Have you felt alone and in deep distress during the global pandemic, during a presidential election, during this times when the nation seems so uncertain? Turn to me, have mercy, for I'm alone in deep distress. This is David crying out to God. He says, my problems go from bad to worse. Yeah, that's how it feels sometimes, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel, like, doesn't feel good. And then he says, feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced. For in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me. For I put my hope in you. O oh God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. And I could say the same. God, ransom your church from all the troubles. Ransom your people worldwide from all of their troubles. God wants to help us in times of trouble. He's there for us in the most difficult hour. So, let's see if I can pull this one off. It's, it's an old gospel song, but it goes like this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? But sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Were you there? 
name rose from the grave Or sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Here's one most of us know our God. The splendor of the King clothed in majesty. The splendor of King clothed in majesty. All the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice.
today, whether it's online or by recording or, Lord, in the live service, I thank you. Look, you're the healer. You're our helper. You're our friend. And nothing is too hard for you, Lord. You're going before us and you're giving us exactly what we need when we need it. So, Lord, I pray you bless the rest of everything we say and do in this service, the studying of your word. Let your power come. And, Lord, may your anointing of your spirit Quicken our hearts and our minds to receive exactly what you want us to have. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, thanks for joining me at worship today. Worship in a bubble today. Thought we'd try something different, mix it up, keep your interest. And um, got some big announcements today. So before we get done, you're going to hear about some great things that are coming to Summit Church. And uh, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining me today. And uh, thank you back there, as you've been watching too. Take care. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. So glad you're joining me today for worship. Again, share, share, share. Invite someone to this Bible study here online. Hit the uh, share button and let them know that we're going to be studying the Bible in uh, Matthew chapters 21 through 28. And would you take a minute right now and just... Um, Pray for Summit Church and the future of our ministry. There are three ways to give and support the ministry today. You can make a, a check and mail it to Summit Church, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or you can navigate over to mysummitchurch.com, click on the online giving tab, and you can give that way. Or you can text to give. Open your texting app and text th this number, 303-625-9434. 303-625-9434 and put the amount of your gift in the text bubble and then follow the prompts using your smartphone and 100% of what you give by text will go to the ministry. So take a minute, say hi to one another here online, refill your coffee, share on social, grab your Bible, notebook, and a pen, and we will get started here in just a moment with our study in Matthew. It's going to be a great time today.
Well, okay. I'm glad that uh, you're joining me. I see my audience is growing here today, getting several comments across the multiple platforms. Grab your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to be looking at the, the end of Jesus's ministry in the gospel of Matthew. We're going to finish up um, this gospel, and then we'll be uh, working on the next gospel next week. So if you're memorizing the Bible, right, in the, in the, the books of the New Testament, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're finishing Matthew today, and we'll be starting um, the gospel of Mark next week. And Mark is, is one of the shortest gospels. It's only It only takes about an hour uh, to read the gospel. But uh, we're focusing in on uh, Passion Week, on the final week of the life of Jesus before his crucifixion and crucifixion and resurrection. So Matthew chapter 21 is what they call the triumphal entry, the triumphal entry. And I've titled my talk, my message here today, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> now, have you ever have you ever tried to explain an experience to a loved one or a friend? Maybe uh, you went to an amusement park and you rode a crazy roller coaster. It was like, it was crazy. We went up and then we went down, we went side to side, it was a corkscrew, then we went backwards. It was crazy. And they're like, um, what, what? And you're like, well, I guess you had to be there, right? Or you're like, oh, we were we were at lunch with this guy and he said this funny thing and he was like, made this weird face and we're like, oh, it was so hilarious. And you tell someone else the story and they're like, what? You're like, well, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> I guess I guess you had to have experienced it for yourself. And that's kind of what the gospel is like. It's like a foreign language to people who don't really understand what Jesus is all about or what the Bible's all about. You you could tell people how you met Jesus and how he saved you from your sins and he set you free from your addictions and your problems and your past and he gave you a new life and he gave you new hope and a new purpose and you're like this is amazing. God has done amazing things in my life. And they start reading the Bible and it's like the words jump off the page of me and you you sit you tell someone about what God means to you what the Bible means to you what Jesus means to you and they're like huh what and I think it's kind of like that it's like I guess you had to be there <laughs> I guess I guess you had to experience that for yourself I has I guess you have to experience Jesus for yourself you can have a head knowledge but unless you were there like that gospel song I sung, sang just a, f a moment ago were you there when they crucified my Lord, it's that old spiritual goes, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you, were you there when they, when they put him in the grave? Were you there when he rose up from, from the, the grave? See, God wants you to experience him. Christianity is not just a philosophy. It's not just something that we think about in our heads. It's not just something that we wrap our minds around. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is to be experienced by every human being. And God wants to have a relationship with you and I. And the kingdom of God is about knowing him and opening your heart, opening your mind, and letting him know you. So I guess you had to be there. If you, if you think that Christianity is just a religion, then you, you're compartmentalizing God into your little box. Can I tell you, God doesn't fit in boxes very well. God breaks out of boxes. <laughs> he doesn't like to be limited because he's limitless. You have to let God do what he wants to do in you. And so Matthew chapter 21, we see Jesus coming in to Jerusalem with a triumphal entry. And 
He's fulfilling these prophecies about the, the Messiah is going to come, humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. And the people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And the, the people of Jerusalem are welcoming Jesus. And then immediately he goes into the temple and he overturns the tables of the money changers, the people who are taking advantage of the poor. And he, he says, the, the Bible says, or my father says, this, this house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. See, a church must not be about money. It must not be about gouging people. A church must not be motivated by profit margins. A church needs to be about prayer. A church, a house of God, needs to be a place where people can find God. They can find help. They can find relief. They can find love and relationship and friendship. And that's why Jesus overturned the tables in the temple. And then he cursed, uh, later on, he cursed a fig tree. And um, oftentimes when, uh, let me just back up, when we, he was clearing the temple, sometimes we're tempted to make our church or uh, more like a, a place of business rather than a place of prayer. We've got to be careful about that. We need to make prayer the focus of our church, of our ministry. And until we have prayer as the central thing, we can't move on to other things. I think everything begins with prayer. Everything needs to be soaked in prayer and everything ends with prayer. And I hope that you'll be a person of prayer, that you'll set aside time every day to read your Bible, to pray, to spend time with the Lord, to, to listen, to stop talking for a while and maybe meditate on the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because prayer is supposed to be two-way conversation. That we, we praise God, we open our hearts, and then we confess our sins, and we give him thanks for what he's already done, and then we, we, we listen to what his word has said to us, we take some moments just to be quiet our hearts, and then we supplicate, we bring our needs to God, and we say, God, I need your provision, I need your help, I need your comfort, I need your healing, whatever your, whatever your needs are. He cares about those needs, and so prayer is so vitally important. The next day, Jesus is returning to Jerusalem. He was hungry, and he sees a fig tree by the road. He curses the fig tree because it doesn't have fruit, and the, the tree withers up and dies. And then, so Jesus is demonstrating that he has power over all of nature, over all of heaven and earth. And, of course, the teachers of the religious law were getting very jealous of Jesus because they, they see that the people were starting to follow him, and uh, they, they challenged his authority. And so <laughs> they, here's what the teachers say to him. They said, by whose authority did you drive out the merchants of the temple? Who gave you such authority? He says, I tell you, I'll tell you who gave me the authority to do these things. If you answer me this one question, Jesus replied, did John's baptism come from heaven or was it merely human? And they talked it over amongst themselves, said, if we say it was from heaven, he will ask, why didn't we believe him? But if we say it was merely human will be mobbed because the people think that he was a prophet. So they finally said, we don't know. And Jesus said, then I won't answer your question either. <laughs> so I want to come to point number one from this first chapter that we're studying. Number one, Jesus Christ is coming to town. You know, we have that old song at Christmas time, Santa Claus is coming to town. You know, Jesus Christ is coming to town. He's coming to our home. He's coming to our neighborhoods. He's coming to our church. He's coming to your marriage. He's coming to your, your place of business. The, the, the real question is, will we open our lives to let Jesus in? We will, give, will we give him the authority that he right, rightfully deserves? And Jesus tells a story about, about two sons. He says, you know, what is an obedient son? 
An obedient son is one who does what his father asks. And these two sons, he says to his son, hey, go work in the fields. And he says, no, I'm not going to do it. And then the other son, he says, go work in the fields. He says, okay, I'll go. (laughs) And the one who says, okay, I'll go, he didn't go. But the son who said, I won't go, but changes his mind, decides to go. (laughs) He's the one that the father blesses. And God is looking for people who have an obedient heart. Maybe sometimes we have a a disconnect between our mouth and our actions or between our thoughts and our actions. Of course, God wants to bring those things into alignment that we would be people of integrity. But obedience is really important to, to Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And then he tells this story, the story of the evil farmers. And I'm going to try something here with technology that I haven't done yet. I want to look at this. Look at this. Here we go. I got my Bible with my external camera. It says, now listen to this story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard and built a wall around it. And he dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice and built a lookout tower. And he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. And at the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned the other. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking surely they will respect uh, him. And so they said, here he comes the heir to this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him. They took him out of the vineyard and they murdered him. And then the owner of the vineyard returns. Jesus asked, what do you think that he'll do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, he will put the wicked men uh, to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him the share of the crop uh, after each harvest. Then Jesus asked them, Didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone rejected by the builders has now become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous to see. And then in this passage, I want you to see closely, he says, What what I mean is that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the leading priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus, they realized that he was pointing at them. And they were the farmers in his story. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid because of the crowds considered Jesus to be a prophet. Interesting stuff. Jesus is saying to the tenant farmers, uh, to to the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and to the crowds, that religion is not going to save you. (laughs) It's only having a relationship with God as your heavenly father that's going to save you. And if you reject the gospel, if you reject the prophets, you reject his very son Jesus, you're rejecting God. You're rejecting his kingdom. You're standing in the way of what Jesus was called and sent to do. So, point number one, Jesus Christ is coming to town. He came to reform dead religion into a living faith. If you're writing notes, number one, Jesus Christ is coming to town. He's a reformer. He's he's come to rescue us from dead religion so that we would have a living, moving, breathing relationship with God the Father. All right, well, Matthew chapter 22, the story of the great feast. And then Jesus tells another parable about a great feast. 
and about this wedding feast that a, a landowner was, was uh, throwing for uh, people. And he was inviting all kinds of guests, but the greatest people in the world wouldn't come. All the most important people wouldn't be there. And here's the, here's the crux of the story. Here's what he says. He says this. So the, the, he, when the people rejected the invitations, the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet, banquet hall was filled with guests. Um, but when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed that a man was was wasn't was wearing the, was not wearing the proper clothes for the wedding friend he asked how is it that you are here without the proper wedding clothes and the man had no answer um and so the king said to his servants he said bind him up and hand his hand and feet and throw him out into the utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and there are many who will be called but few are chosen Many are called, but few are chosen. Wow. I think the gospel is going out to everyone in the world. God is saying, come to me, everyone who will listen to my voice. My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice and they they follow me. But they won't listen to another shepherd. They won't listen to another leader. And what's so vitally important is that we hear the master's voice. We hear the shepherd's voice. We do what he says to do. And we're not, we're not pulled in to religious arguments. We're not pulled into um, works-based religion. But we're, we're pulled into a love relationship with our Heavenly Father. And this is so vital. This, this whole idea of being dressed for the wedding. The, the wedding representing that union between God and, and true believers at the end of the age. What are the, what's the proper wedding clothes? The proper wedding clothes is the garment of praise for the spirit that brings heaviness, right? It's, it's the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all sin. It's, uh, it's, a, it's the gospel of faith, grace through faith, like Abraham believed in God and it was credited as righteousness. Abraham didn't have his own self-righteousness. He was clothed with the righteousness of God that came by faith. That's the proper wedding clothes for God's wedding feast. And what's interesting in in this next little section is um, Peter and Jesus were approached by tax collectors and they say, hey, does your master pay taxes? He goes, yes, we do. And someone just pointed this out to me that that the the disciples were probably teenagers because only uh, Jesus and Peter were required to pay taxes. In Roman law, if you were 20 years old and older, you had to pay taxes. But if you were younger than 20, then uh, you didn't have to pay taxes. And only Jesus and Peter are required to pay tax. So it's possible, it's probable, that the other disciples were, were younger than 20. So Jesus and Peter were probably the first youth pastors of the Christian church, when you think about it. And of course, they pay the taxes. It's, it's, it's an um, amazing um, um, story there. And then uh, there's discussion about uh, the resurrection. And of course, this was a point of contention amongst the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Greeks. Because many of the people in the ancient world didn't believe in a resurrection. They thought that was foolish talk. And, and many secular people today think, of oh, resurrection, come on. Someone came back to, from the dead? You're saying that Jesus died on a cross, he was crucified, and he came back to life? That's foolish talk. A lot of people think that that's foolish talk, but I can tell you, without the resurrection, we don't have the gospel. Without the Jesus coming back to life, Christianity is just a nice story. 
But I, I truly believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead and he proved and proves that he has the power over sin and death. Death, hell, and the grave, like one theologian put it. So point number two here for this, ver- this chapter is Jesus said that love is the major thing. Love is the most important thing. For God, love for God, love for others. We need to stop majoring on the religious technicalities and just love. Jesus said, they're going to know that you're my followers because of your love for one another. I want you to see this passage here. This is in Matthew chapter 22. And it says this. He says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they thought up a fresh question with the, with, of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert of the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the other commandments and all the other demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Whew. The real measure of your faith, the real measure of your religion, whether it's true or not, is love. Love for God, love for others. And if you don't love others, you can't claim to love God. It's, that's how all of this works. See, God is love. And he's light. There's no darkness in him at all. The measure of our true faith of how well we are obeying the teachings of Christ is how we love each other, how we love the lost, how we love our spouses and children, how we love our co-workers and our neighbors. How do we love, wait for it, our enemies? How do we do when it comes to loving people that we find unlovely and hard to love? That's pretty important. It's pretty important. Moving on to chapter 23, Jesus warns about religious people, about the the religious leaders. Chapter 23, verses 1 through 4, Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of scriptures. So practice whatever they say to you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they preach. They crush you with the impossible religious demands, but they never lift a finger to help ease the burden. Jesus is saying real religion is obedience to God, yes, but even more, it's a heart that's been submitted to God and it's, it's obedience that comes from the heart. Practice what you preach. Obedience is a measure of your righteousness. It's a measure of your obedience in Christ, how much you've been submitted to his teachings and how well that you're walking in his ways as one of his followers and one of his disciples. See, once we become a Christian... Our lives start to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the, re- by the washing of the renewal of God's word every day. When I start to read God's word, it begins to read me, and I begin to walk in his footsteps. I try to begin to live my life the way Jesus did in this world. I try to say the things that he would say, try to do the things that he would do, go the places that he would go, think the thoughts that he would think. And that's a measure of, disciple, of a disciple. And so Jesus is uh, giving us uh, a fair warning about true religion. And then point number three, Jesus passed judgment on religious hypocrites. All throughout chapter 23, 
he's rebuking the hypocrites, the Pharisees, the blind guides for weighing the people down with religious laws, with all kinds of minutiae, with all kinds of details of how to obey the law of Moses. But their hearts were far from God. They weren't trying to get people to obey the law of Moses because they love God. They wanted to be in a position of power to be able to tell everyone else what to do, but they didn't obey those rules themselves. That's what, that's what religion does. The letter of the law, it kills, it destroys, but the spirit brings life. And so that's why we need the Holy Spirit inside of us to give us the desire to obey God's law. Because if we love him, then we'll obey his commandments. It's not about religious performance or being good enough or earning our way, but it's about having his life inside of us. It's about having his Holy Spirit discipling, discipling us and helping us to become more like Christ. Now, none of us are going to become Jesus. None of us are ever going to earn salvation. We're never going to be holy enough. But Jesus makes up the difference. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, he begins to give us what we need. Let's look in uh, Matthew chapter 24. We see Jesus begins to predict the future in this passage. And uh, he says here in verse 4 of chapter 24, Jesus told them, Don't be misled, for many will come in my name, saying that I am the, the Messiah. They will lead many astray, and wars will break out near and far. But don't panic. Yes, these things must come, but the end won't follow immediately. The nations and the kingdoms will proclaim war against each other. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this will only be the beginning of the horrors to come. Now, this is kind of scary, right? We're seeing earthquakes. We've certainly seen a pestilence. And we could easily see a famine. We've certainly seen many wars. And we could, we could see another one. I want, I want you to focus here in on, on uh, verse number 9. In my Bible, it says, Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed, and you'll be hated all over the world because of your allegiance to me. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will lead many people astray. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all the nations will hear it, and then finally, the end will come. I'm going to read that last, that last verse again. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all nations will hear it. It doesn't say receive it, but it says all nations will hear it, and then finally, the end will come. You want to know how it's all going to wrap up here in the end? The gospel is going to be proclaimed so that everyone on all the earth, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every ethnos, every people group is going to hear the gospel. Everyone's going to get a fair hearing of the gospel. They have a chance to receive or reject Christ. And then God says, time's up. That's it. You all had a chance. Now the end is here. We're getting very close to that time with the, with the free flow of information, with the internet, with gospel preaching, with missionary efforts around the world on every continent. The gospel of the kingdom has gone around the world. I don't know that every person has had a fair hearing of the gospel, but only God will know when that time has come. But we are nearing that time 
very, very soon. It's why evangelism efforts and missionary efforts and uh, international outreach in nations where the gospel has not been able to go, like in the 1040 window, in Saudi Arabia, in Iran, in Israel, in Jordan, in North Africa, in, in Turkey, in parts of, of Eastern Europe where the gospel, the true gospel, not, not religious Christianity, but the true gospel of grace through faith has really not had a fair hearing yet. Many parts of China, there are many Chinese people who have never really heard a fair hearing of the gospel because they've been lied to about what Christianity is. But I believe the day is coming when that kind of information won't be able to be restricted anymore. The gospel is going to bust through every wall. The God's going to make sure that everyone gets a fair chance to hear what the gospel really is. And then what people decide to do with Jesus, that's going to be up to them. But then that, that's going to bring the end. And we're nearing that time. I don't know if within our lifetimes, but we are nearing that very soon, I believe. And that brings me um, to chapter 24. Again, Jesus foretells the future about the kingdom of God and what's going to happen at the end. He gives a very clear picture of what the last days will look like. In um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, um, but I just actually just read that. So let's, let's move on. I, that, that was the point. Let's move on to verse 37. And he says, when the Son of Man returns, he says, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time when Noah entered the boat. But the people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the, day, the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. And then many of you have heard this doctrine of, of the rapture. This is another one of the teachings about the rapture that Jesus actually talks about here in the gospel in verse 40. I'm going to pull it up on the screen so you can see it. It says, two men will be working in the field and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So be prepared because you don't know when your Lord is coming. Know this, a homeowner who knew exactly when the burglar was coming would stay alert and not permit the house to be broken into. So you must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Jesus is going to come like one translation says, like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. We don't know when the rapture is going to happen, but I believe it's going to be soon. I believe it's going to happen unexpectedly. It's going to happen when everyone says peace and safety. Oh, finally, we're in a place where we can, we can breathe again. Boom, all of a sudden, millions, maybe billions of Christians will disappear from the face of the earth. And people are going to say, whoa, what happened? the rapture of the church, those who know the Bible, those who have heard the scriptures, those who have been preached the true gospel, they're going to know what happened. And many people, I believe, are going to come to Christ after this rapture of the church, after the Christians disappear. And then we come to chapter 25 of Matthew. He tells a story about the, the 10 bridesmaids, and some had extra oil and some didn't. And he's, he's talking about... Uh, people who are true believers versus people who are religious. If you have a true relationship with God, then you have the extra oil. You have the Holy Spirit. But if you don't, if you have just have dead religion, you're not going to be welcome into the wedding feast. Five virgins had it and five didn't. Then he tells the story of three servants. 
And he, he talked about a man going on a trip and he tells these different servants to be faithful with various degrees of wealth that he gives them. And the evil servant comes back wicked and lazy because he buried his talent in the ground. And he says, I expect you to do something with what I gave you. God is, he's loving, but to whom much is given, much is required. You say, well, God hasn't given me anything. That's not true. You have life. You have, a, you have health. You have a family. Do you have a little bit of strength? Do you have a little bit of money in your wallet? Then you've been given much. You're born in America? Whoa, that puts you in the top 1% of the whole world when it comes to wealth. You've been given much. And much is going to be required. God expects you to be faithful. And part of being a, a true disciple of Christ is being faithful even with the little that he gives you so that he can trust you with more. That's so important. And then he talks about the final judgment. I know this is, these are scary teachings to look at, but Jesus, I didn't say it, okay? These are things that Jesus said. In the final, he talks about the final judgment, Matthew 25. And we're, we're coming up to, to the end of the Passion Week. These are things that he was teaching during his last week of life here on earth. And he says, when we come to the final judgment, God's going to separate one, some people on the left and some people on the right. And he's going he's gonna to say, as you did it to, to the least of these, you did it unto me. This is what it says in verse 36. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison or visit you? And then the king will tell them, and then I'm going to, again, I love pulling up this. I like my new technology where you can see verses. <laughs> it says, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Who? Jesus says, be careful how you treat the poor. Be careful how you treat the underprivileged. Be careful how you treat the elderly. Be careful how you treat the person in prison. Be careful how you treat the immigrant. Be, be careful. Because as you've done it to them, you're doing it to me. Has nothing to do with whether they are Christians or not. When you've been given the ability to do good and you don't do it, you might be in trouble for that. Here's what it says. Here's what our point is for number five here in chapter 25. Jesus said our works of holiness at the judgment will be based on what we've done. Now, salvation is a separate issue. Salvation comes by belief. Simple, just believing by grace through faith in Christ. But, you know, once we've nailed down that salvation issue, we're, we are going to be, we believers are going to be judged based on what we've done. And <laughs> rewards are going to be weighed out according to what we did or did not do. And I think it's so important that we see that we have to do good works while we're still on the earth. When we have the ability to do good, we should do all the good that we can. Or like what John Wesley said, make all you can so you can give all, save all you can and give all you can. Do, is, do the maximum amount of good that you can with what God gives you. And, you know, there are going to be many Christians when they get to the judgment who are going to be shocked and surprised that of all the rewards that they're not going to get. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. He says, For no one can lay 
another foundation than the one that's already that we already have, Jesus Christ. Now anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, and jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But there is going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work uh, will be put through the fire to see whether it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. Jesus is saying, you're going to get to heaven, but if what you did with your Christian life after salvation was nothing, all you'll get is heaven. (laughs) All you'll have is a place in heaven, but you're not going to get the rewards. You're not going to have a a position of authority. You're not going to uh, sit in the the higher places of authority in in heaven later on. And so how we behave as disciples is very important to God. It's a measure of our obedience. And if we love him, we'll obey his commandments and we'll look to do what he did in this world. Well, I'm going to summarize here chapter 26. There's a plot to kill Jesus. And of course, Judas Iscariot is uh, a part of that plot. He agrees to betray Jesus. We come to the Last Supper. Jesus predicts his own death. And then when he comes to the Mount of Olives, Jesus is betrayed. He's taken to Caiaphas' house uh, um, for his trial. He's arrested. And then he's brought before the council, the Sanhedrin, the teachers of the law. And the high priest stands up and he says to Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God that you tell us whether you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And of course, Jesus had been silent up to that point, but he he was forced to speak. And Jesus replied, it is as you say. And in the future, you will see me, the Son of Man, sitting at God's right hand in the place of power and coming back on the clouds of heaven. Point number six, Jesus is the king of a not yet and already here kingdom, the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is like the ocean. When you go to the ocean, you like go to California or Hawaii, you, you go and you, if you'd ask a person, hey, where's the ocean? They'll go, well, it's out there. <laughs> but if you're at the beach, you get to go, hey, these little waves at my ankle, is, is that the ocean? Yeah. So, so which is the ocean? Well, it's here and it's out there. It's all, it's coming in in waves. It's crashing in on us. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's not all the way here, but it's here. I'm in it, but there's a greater kingdom coming. (laughs) There's greater waves of it coming. It's, it's big. (laughs) The kingdom of God is bigger than you can wrap your mind around. It's bigger than what you can experience right now. And the kingdom of God, it's an, it's a not yet and already here. And Jesus is saying, there's a time coming. When I'm going to return. And then Peter denies Jesus in this chapter. And then the next chapter, Matthew 27, Judas hangs himself. And then Jesus is sent over to Pilate and he has a trial before him. And then Pilate turns him over. The soldiers mock Jesus and then he's crucified. And then he, he's, he dies on the cross that afternoon. And that, that day that we celebrate around Easter called Good Friday. And this Roman soldier makes this statement. I want to read this in Matthew 27, verse 54. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. And they said, truly, this was the Son of God. 
Jesus proved through his death, his burial, his resurrection, the manner of his death, that he was and is God's very own son, God's perfect lamb who died for your sins and mine. And then Jesus is buried. And then there's guards over the tomb. And the resurrection happens in Matthew chapter 28, early on Sunday morning. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake because the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the, the stone and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook when they had, when they saw him, and they fell to the ground as dead. And the, the angel spoke to the women, "Don't be afraid," he said. "I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised from the dead, just as he told you would happen. Come see where his body is laying. And now go quickly." Tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee where you'll see him there. Remember, I have told you. And then the, there's a conspiracy amongst the temple guard where they were paid to lie about Jesus that someone had stolen his body. Point number seven, eventually even the secular world will acknowledge that Jesus is Christ. Jesus is raised from the dead. He comes back to, from the dead. And when he comes to Galilee, they, they meet him face to face. And Jesus gives them the great commission just before he ascends into heaven. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now that brings us to the end of the Gospel of Matthew. The final point here is this. The Gospel is, good, is the good news story of Jesus. The Gospel is the good news story of Jesus. Why did he come? He came to, to forgive us of our sin, to make a way for us to be reconciled to God. W what does it mean? What did his coming mean? Well, it meant hope for the whole world. It meant that there's a, there's a chance <laughs> that we can know God. And thirdly, how should we respond? We should receive him. We should say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill my life. I want to live for you. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never started this. As we've studied the gospel of Jesus, you've heard all these teachings of Jesus, and you thought that the Christianity was just some dead religion, some boring book. Can I tell you, it's not a boring book. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is here. This book that we study, it's alive. It's a living book. And God wants to have a relationship with you if you'll just open your heart and start to follow him. Would you do it? Would you just say, okay, God, I'm sick of living my life for me. I want to live my life for you. Would you just receive him? You see, God made you to be with him. Your sin and my sin, it separates us from God. And sins can't be paid for through religious activity. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and he rose again. So everyone, anyone who will receive him can have eternal life. And that life can begin the moment you say yes to him and last for all eternity. If you need to receive Christ, would you pray this prayer with me? Just pray it out loud wherever you are. If you're taking a walk, if you're driving, or if you're doing something else, just stop what you're doing for a moment. Create a, a moment of sacred space between you and God. Just pray this prayer. Pray right after me. Say, Dear Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Thank you. Thank you. For paying for my sin. For paying for my sin. I believe that you came back to life. I believe that you came back to life. 
Just like was predicted. Just like was predicted. In the scriptures. In the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's big news. That's the best news. That's the gospel. And I'm so glad that you joined me for that today. If if all you did was just receive him today, that's the most important thing you could do. It's really powerful that you joined me today. Uh, and uh, I want to encourage you to support the ministry. I already gave you all the links for that earlier, uh, earlier on. I want to give you a big announcement. I've been saving it here for the end. Um, we have the opportunity to have a physical church building. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is yet, but we're in negotiations. Uh, and I'll just say it's north of Castle Rock. It's, it's about, it's about uh, six miles north of where we used to be meeting. And we are putting together an agreement for it that we would start our preview services the second Sunday of February in in uh, a little town north of Castle Rock, and that's all I'll say. Uh, but some of you know the details on it, and I'll share more of that in the in the days to come. As we finalize our contract and our agreement, we're finally going to have a place that not only could we um, have in-person services, but possibly even have a building that we could one day purchase and make our own. It would be an amazing gift. we got to grow this church into what God wants it to be. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks for being a part. If you need anything, whether it's food or prayer or any kind of ministry, please comment us or message us or let us know uh, in the chat or, or through our various uh, social media streams and through email. Love you guys very much. Let me give you a final blessing and we will get out of here. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to be true disciples of Christ. May we shine the light and the love of Jesus everywhere we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift his countenance upon you, and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.